Formerly called the Walled City on account of the formidable rows of warehouses that lined its waterfront, the borough of Brooklyn was a key part of New York City's trade industry, with numerous piers and warehouses sending and receiving trade goods from all over the world every single day. Its waterfront was once the very picture of commerce, seeing millions of commuters, workers, and everyone in between. Yet with the fall of the ferry industry, Many of the piers and warehouses would be torn down or outright abandoned in the wake of the advancements in subway and automobile transit. Today we discover what remains of Brooklyn's forgotten piers. I'm your host Ryan Sokash and you're watching It's History. This video is brought to you by Fabulous, the number one self-care app to help you build better habits and achieve your goals. This app makes it easy for anyone to develop and stick to healthy habits thanks to science-based daily routines. And trust me, as a result, you will feel healthier, fulfilled, and more productive. Personally speaking, Fabulous helped me tremendously. After setting a no sugar seven day challenge, I was encouraged to keep up with it thanks to small changes and motivational coaching sessions throughout the day. Thanks to the newly provided perspective on the situation, I was able to kick the bad habit once and for all. Let me explain how this works. For starters, you'll choose a self-guided habit building and tracking theme that suits your situation. From self-improvement to physical health, there are over a hundred recommended habits, or you can also create your own. Fabulous helps you to build these habits thanks to timely reminders and other features embedding behavioral science principles as well as science-backed content. Another approach is the guided habit coaching where you will use programs to reach your objective journey. In this phase, premium users can expect to develop their motivation thanks to special coaching series that occur three times daily. Later, you will discover wellness best practices with the unique content library offering science-based exercise for fitness, meditation, productivity, and more. My favorite aspect of Fabulous was that I built healthy habits that stick at my own pace. Unlike other self-development apps, Fabulous is gentler, more rewarding, fun, and has a more supportive approach. So start building your ideal daily routine. The first 100 people who click on the link will get 25% off a fabulous subscription. And now, back to the lost stocks of Brooklyn. To set the stage for the story of Brooklyn's piers and warehouses, let's take a trip back to the turn of the 19th century. Commerce and trade in Brooklyn reached new heights in 1814 thanks to Robert Fulton's steam-powered Fulton Ferry Company. It ushered in a new revolutionized way of travel and trade between Brooklyn and Manhattan and further strengthened the connection between those two boroughs. By the middle of the 19th and 20th centuries, the Brooklyn waterfront was a bustling waterfront and commercial hub. Every day, its busy ports were filled with thousands of workers laboring on ships, piers, and many warehouses and factories built along the waterfront. One Brooklyn reporter had this to say about the scene. 
Men are shouting, steam whistles are screaming, and great derricks are groaning as they slowly hoist bales and boxes from the holds of some great ships and then swing them around to be deposited on the dock. Freight came in from all around the world filled with a vast variety of cargo, from industrial goods to exotic animals. 1850 brought railroad lines to the Fulton Ferry Landing, followed by the construction of many massive warehouses made of bricks, such as the Empire Stores Warehouse, which we will discuss later, as well as numerous smaller fringe piers. Located at the end of Old Fulton Street, the Fulton Ferry Landing marked the location of the very first ferry service running between Brooklyn and Manhattan in 1642. Interestingly, the original ferry service was mentioned in Walt Whitman's famous poem, Crossing Brooklyn Ferry. As such, it is by far one of the borough's most historic sites and serves as a reminder of how far the trade and transport industry has come over the years. The Fulton Ferry itself wasn't just a regular service ferry. In fact, it provided steam vessels between the two boroughs of Manhattan and Brooklyn. The passage took around 12 to 20 minutes, connecting those in Brooklyn to commute to Manhattan every day. As Brooklyn and Manhattan became more and more connected, Brooklyn's population grew rapidly, rising incredibly from 1,603 in 1796 to 186,000 in 1865. And out of that number, 35,000 residents used the ferry daily. As the population increased, businesses along the Brooklyn waterfront thrived. Russell Granger, writing from Whitman's Brooklyn, states that, quote, coal yards, hotels, oyster houses, an iron foundry, a marble yard, a wood yard, a flour mill, an ice house, banks, and distilleries provided the ancillary businesses to make the Fulton Landing one of the most thriving ports on the eastern seaboard before the Civil War. The Fulton Ferry slowly but surely reduced its fare to one cent between 1842 and 1850 to bankrupt its competitors. However, once its competitor was successfully eliminated and their rights purchased by the Fulton Ferry, it doubled its rates to two cents. This sudden spike caused understandable amounts of outrage in New Yorkers who depended on that ferry to commute every day, but could no longer afford the travel cost, which was a reported additional 10% of a typical worker's salary after it was raised. The Fulton Ferry House once stood in a series of ferry buildings along the waterfront, bordering a bustling commerce hub filled with horse car lines and various retail and wholesale stores. Other piers included Pier 3, which was previously occupied by a lumber and building supply company called Strober Brothers Lumber, as well as Pier 6, one of Brooklyn's coffee ports. If one were to take a walk along the docks, they would see many large rows of storage houses, all filled with raw coffee. Interestingly, many reported that the aroma of raw coffee was actually awful to constantly be around. Empire Stores comprised a series of historic warehouses built along the waterfront in the late 1800s. They were an essential part of Brooklyn's extensive line of warehouses in the shoreline, receiving goods from all over the world. Then we have the seven warehouses which were built between 1868 and 1885, sitting in the northern section of Brooklyn Bridge Park. They were made up of thick red brick walls on the outside and schist walls on 
on the inside to keep it cool and dark for storing perishables. These warehouses housed a wide variety of goods ranging from sugar to molasses, animal hides, rubber, and wool. Though they were mostly known for their coffee as, after all, Brooklyn was known as America's coffee capital. This title came from the fact that in the 19th and 20th centuries, most of the coffee shipped to America arrived through New York's harbor. The Arbuckle brothers were two significant pioneers of the coffee industry, initially operating a complex of coffee production facilities in the same area and eventually acquiring the Empire stores. So in a nutshell, during the early years, the rich variety of goods was a testament to the melting pot of trade that New York City had grown into over the years. However, the success of Brooklyn's waterfront would not last forever. Three pinnacle moments most certainly marked the beginning of the end of this great waterfront. First was the opening of the Brooklyn Bridge in 1883, then the Williamsburg Bridge in 1903, and finally the Manhattan Bridge in 1909. These bridges all struck decisive blows against the ferry industry. They allowed continuous transport of both people and goods. And while this newfound efficiency was good news, for busy commuters, it marked the beginning of the end for the age of ferries. Further improvements in transit also came about with the BMT and IRT subway tunnels that cross under the river in 1908 bypassing the needs for ferries altogether. But again, I need to stress this was a good thing because those ferries were incredibly busy to the point that they were fast approaching their limits. From then on, ferries gradually began to go out of business. Along with them, much of the Brooklyn waterfront fell into the early stages of neglect. In the 1950s, many of the narrow finger piers along the waterfront were replaced with larger, wider piers that could accommodate much larger ships and cargo while this gave the area more traffic and staved off the inevitable for a time, trade and transportation technology continued to evolve, eventually reaching a point where the Brooklyn waterfront couldn't keep up. At this time, many piers began to fall into outright disrepair, some entirely abandoned to time's ravage in the coming years. Then by the 1970s, this area, the Brooklyn waterfront, was referred to by most as a quote, barren wasteland along New York City's waterfront. In 1984, Port Authority officials ceased cargo shipping operations, instead deciding to sell the piers for commercial development. This sparked a new idea that the piers, well worn, were incredibly valuable as a resource. Members of the community banded together to revitalize the Brooklyn waterfront as a public use area. However, for over a decade, this plan remained up in the air. While Governor Mario Cuomo initially expressed a great deal of support for the development project, he lost his late re-election, creating a significant setback to the development project until 1998, when the Brooklyn Borough President Howard Golden officially established the local development corporation. It consisted of 15 community members who later elected President Joanne Witte. The LDC then oversaw a planning process for the vacant peers that took roughly a year. 
Even the development planning faced an incredible challenge for those on the committee and its supporters. However, these efforts were fruitful in the end. Today, many of the original piers and parts of the 85-acre long sustainable park have been redeveloped and are simply beautiful. But the story of Brooklyn's piers is far from over. Some remnants remain as they were so many years ago, while others have been given new life and revitalized in the modern age thanks to renewed interest in the waterfront and a vibrant history. In fact, in 2011, the East River Ferry started service with stops along the Manhattan, Queens, and Brooklyn waterfront, stopping at Brooklyn Bridge Parks Pier 1 near Fulton Ferry Landing. So now it's time to see what remains of these forgotten piers. After the Brooklyn Bridge opened in 1883, the Fulton Ferry Landing's popularity was dealt a considerable blow, and after the ferry service was rendered all but obsolete in the coming years, the ferry ceased operation in 1929. Its terminal remained until it was severely damaged the following year in a massive fire on October the 8th, 1925. But in a sense it's still with us, you see in 1997, the terminal was refurbished and reopened to visitors and it remains incredibly popular with tourists and locals alike. Its railings were custom designed with marine themes, and Walt Whitman's famous Crossing Brooklyn Ferry poem is also ever-present. The pier deck is embedded with bronze reliefs that depict various local historical scenes, and ferry service returned to Manhattan in 2006. Around the same time, the historic tobacco warehouse, the St. Anne's Warehouse, and the Max Family Garden are all sights to behold. On Pier 3, the Lumber Company buildings were replaced by 4.6 acres of both natural and recreational space that makes use of them in an interesting and charismatic way. For example, its promenade was created from the steel frame of one of the pier's former warehouses, and its original concrete deck was left exposed. During construction, the pier's original wooden piles were reinforced with rebar, and concrete pumped into fiberglass forms installed in the surrounding areas. Its existing seawalls were removed and replaced on the adjacent shoreline, while the deck connecting the pier to the greenway was cut out and replaced with two concrete bridges instead to build the base. It even has an interactive labyrinth garden, movable furniture, and a walk-in kaleidoscope. And on Pier 6, the huts used for coffee storage have been replaced with attractions such as the Water Lab, Sandbox Village, and Slide Mountain. Many other warehouses were torn down to make space for the Brooklyn Queens Expressway and the Brooklyn Heights Promenade. But what about those famous empire stores? Well, they were far from exempt from decay. Abandoned in the 1960s, they remained closed for decades until being redeveloped and reopened in 2016 after multiple failed development attempts. Today, it remains one of the last relics of the Brooklyn waterfront's history as a shipping hub. Granted, it has taken on something of a new form, now filled with office and retail space, as well as various public amenities such as restaurants. Last but not least is one of the 
lesser known remains, the old Pier Number 1, part of the first section of the park to open to the public in 2010, it remains the way it has been, frozen in time ever since its decline at the turn of the century. As the docks and warehouses all around it began to close, the surface of the pier was eventually pulled up, leaving behind hundreds of short stumps that stand out by a few feet ominously over the waters of the East River as remnants of a time that once was. In total, the piers of the Brooklyn Bridge Park attract over 5 million visitors every single year. Speaking to the fact that even after the waterfront's time as a bustling commerce port hub has long since passed, its story is far from over. So if you'd like for me to cover more stories from Brooklyn, hit that subscribe button, check out our New York History playlist, and don't forget to support our sponsor by clicking the link in the description below. This is Ryan Sokash, signing off.